from out of the west, in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty... Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. Indians! This summer, Marty and Doc go back one more time for their greatest adventure of all. Doc's living in the past. Just try it, Tanner! But he's about to be history. What kind of a future do you call that? I'm going back to 1885, and I'm bringing you home. This summer, Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis invite you... Come on, Marty! ...to the Rough Rider, Rip Roar, Rootin' Tootin', Straight Shootin', Back to the Future, Part 3. Hi, welcome back to Franchise Fanatics. It's our third episode and our first ending of a franchise. We're excited to talk about it today. I'm Cody Lindley. And me with the not-so-broadcast voice over here is Ryan Katmeyer. And not only is this the first time we're ending a franchise, but this is also the first time we have a guest. You can't see him, but he's actually dressed up as Marty McFly. Uh, he's twinning with his Marty McFly Funko Pop. Uh, our dear, dear friend, uh, actor, writer, performer, overall good citizen of the world. Uh, let's not forget Chicago PD stand-in for two seasons, Patrick Webb, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chicago Justice, also. <laughs> I don't want to leave that out of there. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of dress like this all the time. I, I didn't even know we were doing Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, we said this is an audio medium, and he said, I have a costume. <laughs> It's just he's that much of a what do you call it when they stay in character all the time? Method actor. Yeah. Did one of you say meta? No. No. Oh. Method actor. I all mean, right. Cody might have. I, I, I said, don't know. He might yeah. try to play it off. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, in case you haven't figured it out, we are talking Back to the Future 3 today. So let's kick it off with who this podcast should be sponsored by. Ryan Katmeyer with your submission. Surely you're not afraid to try something that a baby could do. I'm all right. I'm going to say we should be sponsored by. I know I talked about Detroiters in an earlier uh, episode, and I since Patrick is the only person who I know is also a fan of this show that we both love. I'm I'm going to say we should be sponsored by Southside on HBO Max, and I say we should be sponsored by them because it should still be a show that is. Going to get more seasons. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about how we want more uh, black art made, black art that's not based about trauma. This show has a very diverse cast. It's absolutely hysterical. Uh, it's one of those shows where it's just packed with jokes, and it unfortunately got canceled after three seasons. So uh, I think we should be sponsored by them because I think they deserve at least a few more seasons. Yeah, joke for joke, it's one of the funniest shows I've seen in 10 years. It's so good. I need to start it. You guys have both separately and together told me. Uh, my pick for who we should be sponsored by today is Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the movie <laughs> uses Dynamite. Patrick, just so you know, Ryan always chooses like a real thing, like a local business or something. And I somehow choose something related to the film. <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm going to blend those two. Do I participate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. uh, the actual brand Frisbee. Frisbee. Far out. <laughs> that is a great call. Yeah. yeah. They, that was kind of like a one and done joke. I thought he was going to throw it. Does he? I watched it and I don't think he does. He yeah, picks up that. He throws it at Biff's hand. Oh, or Biff's. Yes. Buford Tannen, pardon me. Right before he shoots Doc and puts a hole in his hat. 
But that, apparently right. that was a brand of pie, Frisbee's Pies, and also a toy. So that's fine. The two businesses are related like how this movie paints them out to be, right? Like you don't eat the pie no, and get the, the toy, right? They're not even okay. spelled the same way. It's yeah. just a yeah, coincidence. But I do believe that every time you eat a pie, you get a toy. That's just how I was raised. Yeah. If Cody was a good little boy in church, he'd get a whole pie and a toy at the bottom. <laughs> East Texas is cool. <laughs> what was the meaning of that? Let's move now into our initial thoughts of the film. Uh, should we have Patrick do it just to kick us off? As yeah, a Patrick, you want to just share like your initial thoughts on the on the third installment of this franchise? How much, how much time do we have again? Three hours? Four hours? I mean, we're not going to like limit ourselves to a specific amount. So, okay. you know, I think it's I mean, I, I hope that you guys ask me because, you know, back to the future is so important to me. I love the Back to the Future franchise. It's some that is one of the movies I grew up watching with my Nana as a kid. I watched these movies a thousand times. I pretty much know them front to back. Um, back to the Future Part Three was always my least favorite as a kid, but I would say I, just because I rewatched it, you know, very recently to come on to this podcast. I found some things in it that I really liked and I was like, okay, this is better than I remember it being. I also realized why I didn't like it as a kid. It's because it's a romance. And that's, I was like, this is this, I, why I found it boring because like the old West trains, actions like cowboys would be really cool. But I think that it was so romantic heavy that as a kid, I was like, I don't like this one. Yeah. Um, I have a kind of similar line of thought, so I'll hop in next. I, was watching it and I was like, this is the worst one, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then as I was watching, I was like, wow, this movie is pretty fun, especially in the beginning. I was like, I actually really like it. They're doing obviously, um, you know, a lot of the same bits that they can do. Um, just repeat it as they do in the first and second. Um, and about midway through, it hit me what I kind of thought was the reason as a child. And now I dislike it. A, focus on romance, but B, it, um, it kind of, like, I love Doc Brown and I love Marty and it isn't a problem that we focus on Doc Brown, but I feel like they really don't know what to do with Marty for a bit. Like he meets an older version of like an older version of his family, but that's kind of not really given a huge amount of screen time in favor of Doc, Doc Brown's romance, which is great. Um, also, just like I was like, oh, they must not have brought Crispin Glover back because <laughs> Marty is married to Leah Thompson in this one, which is a little weird, you know, right. and maybe they couldn't get Elizabeth Shue. And then both of them are in the end of the movie. And I was just like, it just seemed um, it's so funny because it's still so tightly written. You know, they, uh, you know, Marshall Strickland's in it, the clock tower, all that stuff. And then it still feels like the sloppiest written one, even though it is still an extremely tight script for me. That's that was kind of how I was feeling going into it. Right. So I'll jump in and tell you one thing. Crispin Glover is not in part two or part three, actually. He. Yeah. Surprise. Oh, shocking. He oh. did not agree with the ending of Back to the Future part one. And so did not want to be a part of the final two movies in the franchise. In Back to the Future Part 3, when George McFly comes in, he's famously upside down on like some kind of futuristic back stretch. Oh, thing. two, you mean? Yeah. Part two. Pardon me. Yeah. And he so it's because it's a different actor and that's why he's upside down. So you can't really tell that it's not Crispin Glover, Crispin Glover with age makeup on. And then similarly in Part 3, at the very end, he's got these huge sunglasses on and doesn't deliver any lines and he's just in the background. 
That's nuts. I literally went, oh, there's Crispin Glover. I'm your density. Ryan, what are your thoughts? You heard it here first, folks. Crispin Glover, not a fan of the Back to the Future franchise, (laughs) despite it making his career. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, as as the universal thought goes, this is, you know, probably the least loved out of the three. Um, You know, I'll kind of talk a little bit more once we sort of recap here. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's... I think I saw this like all the way through once in like early high school. And then I rewatched it again this morning. Um, yeah. It, you know, I, I don't want to just kind of parrot a lot of the things you both talked about, but I feel like this movie is also a, a bit more static than the first two. Like it just kind of, you know, they, you go to the saloon, you go to docks like shed or barn or whatever, and you don't really go a lot of other places. Obviously there's, you know, uh, is it Clara? Yeah, Clara is introduced, which is cool. And it's nice to see Doc Brown, you know, get get that win, which is nice. You know, he's not just this disgraced, you know, (laughs) physicist any longer. Um, So so that's nice. Always nice to see her pop up in a film. She's great. But, yeah, I think, you know, there's just not as much that happens here. And it's just kind of like, yeah, there's like this the the point of like the romance. And then there's Marty, who's just kind of meandering almost also (laughs) you're talking about how uh michael j fox plays like his great 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 grandfather himself or whatever and when (laughs) when when he's first being woken up by his like great 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 grandmother she makes no comment about how much they resemble one another like it's basically you know (laughs) i mean like i think uh buford mentions it when he first walks into the saloon he's Mm -hmm. like oh i thought you were Mm -hmm. uh this other mcfly but yeah there's just no comment of like oh i just saved this strange man who happens to resemble my husband like 97 percent he actually yeah he has a line in there um the old the grandfather where he's like we're you know leah thompson's like oh should we be helping him and he's like i just feel like it's something i should do like he's family and i'm like mention the fact that you look exactly the same (laughs) yeah ryan not to not to drag this out one thing i wanted to talk about you mentioned how static it was i think two is so fun we jump from the future to the present to the past back to the back to the present and it's altered bad 1985 Mm -hmm. yeah and in this one, we're just in the old West. We are for a moment mm. in the fifties because it's in the past. It starts there. And then we instantly go to the old West and then we just come back to the present at the beginning. And I feel like while the first movie gets away with it, because we had so much time shenanigans in the second one, it just feels a little empty in this one, not going multiple times time period. Yeah, and and similar runtime too, so it feels like mm-hmm. it drags a little bit because yeah. the other two are so action packed. Yeah, I'd say there's just not as much excitement in this in this one as like one and two. One, I think, is just such. Now we're kind of yeah, we'll get talking about the ending. Yeah, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll share my thoughts for this later. Hey, lighten up, jerk! Should we get to our first game? Yeah, you wanna you wanna intro, Cody? Go yeah, for it. I'll intro. Um, let me get my phone out. So our uh, TM world famous three-minute plot challenge that we're doing. Uh, we're going to have our guest do it. That's me. Patrick, I'm putting three minutes on a timer on my phone. Um, I'm going to show the time to you so you know. Great. Uh, try to recap this movie's plot in three minutes. Okay. Oh, wow. Starting in. Heavy pressure. Yeah. One, two, 
three. Okay, so to talk about this movie, I first need to go to Back to the Future Part 2, unfortunately, because they filmed these movies back to back. That's right, they filmed them in conjunction and released them like half a year apart. So, this movie starts with Joe Flaherty from Second City TV delivering Marty a letter from Western Union from 18-something. <laughs> and he says, we didn't think that you'd show up. Anyway, it's a letter from Doc Brown. I'm safe and sound back here in 18, when is it? 1885, 1885. And so Marty is like, oh, okay, well, I better not go looking for Doc. Better just live my life here in uh, Hill Valley, which is, I didn't get it until I watched it this time, a very funny name, <laughs> Hill Valley. <laughs> and then he sees uh, a, a tombstone Doc Emmett Brown killed right after he sent this letter. He's like, oh no, I, even though Doc told me not to, I gotta go back in time and save him. But I need Doc to help me save Doc and I can't tell him why. So we're gonna go and dig up some, <laughs> dig up the DeLorean and blow it up with dynamite outside of this uh, old graveyard somewhere in the middle of the, uh, the desert in California. And then they, you know, they go uh, to a, a vacant movie lot. Oh, I have so much time. Anyway, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So he goes, he goes back to 1885, and he finds Doc, and he says, "Doc, I gotta, I gotta save your life." And he's like, "But I, I, I've fallen in love with Mary Steenburgen. I can't, Marty. I can't do it." And so then he runs into Buford Tannen, who uh, is related to Biff Tannen, a bad guy, and he challenges him to a shootout. Okay, corral style, and then there's there's a train involved, and that's because that's the only way they can get the DeLorean to go. Never mind that there's no way a train would 80 go 80 miles an hour, but there's no other way for them to get that DeLorean to 1.21 gigawatts. So they 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 get on the train, and then she chases him down on a horse, and uh, Doc decides to stay with her on a hoverboard back in the 1800s. And then uh, Marty, Marty gets ahead. He gets ahead in time. And he goes, oh no, the DeLorean got destroyed by this train. But then Doc, even though he spent the whole movie talking about how he never should have been in a time machine, comes back in a time machine train with his two sons, Jules and Vern, and Einstein, who he got somehow. And uh, that's the end of the Back to the Future franchise as we know it. Time's up, run! I'm wow. glad you had the clock wow. up. 28 seconds left. We've never had someone Boy. on our three episodes finish in time. Um, <laughs> and by no one, we mean neither me or no, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> I skipped a lot when Cody showed me that I'd been talking for a minute, 40 seconds about the prequel. <laughs> yeah, there were swaths of the plot that were bypassed, but that's okay. That's fine. I, I want to talk about a lot, but one thing I, I just want to talk about because I think it's funny. Can we just talk about how dirty Buford is this whole movie? <laughs> it literally took me so long to be like, is that the same actor or not for a second? Because he just looks different and they have him play it kind of different. Like there's a couple of kind of cartoonishly buffoon moments, but a lot of it, he's just like a stereotypical bad guy with gun. And I think that's also part of the thing is like a lot of the side characters have reduced roles in this too. Uh, but yeah, He's so dirty all the time. Like I, got a, I have a hot take about that. I think that Biff makes this franchise. I think he does such a good job as a bad guy and playing different iterations of basically himself and or his ancestor that it like everyone. I mean, obviously, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and the, and the rest of the supporting cast do such a good job. But Biff really drives these movies with how he's able to play the old version of himself, the Donald Trump version of himself, the 
Doc Holliday version of himself. He does a really good job. Oh, yeah, he's he's great. Uh, I think we've kind of talked about that actor, Thomas F. Wilson, Wilson, uh, whose name constantly escapes us. Yeah, Yeah. he's great in in all of these. And yeah, he he definitely plays. uh, Yeah, like you mentioned, like all these different versions of himself. And he's just so unlikable. Yeah, and I mean, part of me is like, I don't know much about that guy, but I'm like, I hope he's not actually like this, and he's just killing this role. <laughs> Everything I've ever read about him is that he is lovely and nice. like one of the friendliest people. Awesome. It's he hasn't done a whole lot of work since those movies. No. I mean, obviously, Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he plays Patrick's dad on SpongeBob. <laughs> believe it or not, know. so he's doing some voice work out there. Nobody calls me Mad Dog, especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. I also think it's. <sighs> Uh, this will be a little bit for like, did we need this movie? But I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, in the middle of this movie, I was like, oh, shit. They this all happens like within one weekend. Basically, mm-hmm. I forget that there's like never a moment that it slows down except for the time you see them like sleep, which you literally do see that happen a couple times on <laughs> yeah. screen. But it's like it's I was like, this is so interesting in a film that like. It, it has one story throughout and it is just telling a solid story that happens all within. Like there's never a Marty. It's been five years. We got to meet up again and do this next. Event. It is all tied together. It is all them almost from like, I don't want to say mistake, but from the first time travel with the DeLorean and all of this spirals out of control, which is why doc is like, we have to destroy the time machine and it does put a nice button on it. But yeah, I, I don't know why, but that really it hit me in the middle of the third movie. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I don't feel like you see that in a lot of um, iterate like, you know, sequels and second and third movies. You know, usually it's like, oh, we're getting the game back together. Like, you know, Fast and Furious, which we all Mm -hmm. love. It's not like they're done. And then they're like, wow. And now here's exactly where the last movie picked up. You know, it's kind of like they all come together again and stuff like that. Yeah, it all feels like kind of very organic how uh, like it bleeds into like one to two to three in a lot of ways. I'm going to I'm going to give my rating if that's OK. Yeah, kind of. We it. can definitely keep recapping, but we're also going to kind of, I think, no, go get for into it. it with the franchise yeah, sections. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm going to give it four cult 45s out of five because it is still a super solid movie. I, I think that. The the biggest negative it has going for it is that the first two movies are just so good. But that's for me. Uh, I'm for Colt 45s. I think that's the gun Marty's given and then told you can keep it for free. But if you die, I get it back. <laughs> it's the Colt Peacemaker. That's right. Okay. Shooting with, I'm sure which was an early iteration of like a Colt 45. <laughs> um, OK, yeah, I I'm also going to give it. I'll say like. I'll say like a. Yeah, I, I will say I'll say four Frisbee pies out of out of five Frisbee pies. I liked it better. I haven't watched it in a few years. I liked it better this time than I've ever liked it. Nice. Uh, I'll give it three out of five Verns. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was kind of talking to some people about this this weekend. Uh, you know, uh, a not great Back to the Future movie is still a good movie. Um, the reason I don't like it as much as, or the reason I'm not rating it that much is just from like a rewatchability standpoint. Like if I'm going to rewatch one of these, like I'm going to rewatch one or two, three is still fun. Like it's, you know, it's, you, you get some newer characters, um, 
and it's still like a fun movie and it's yeah it's fun especially like rewatching all three of them it's fun to see these actors play like these different roles like thomas f wilson or um emma thompson and you mean leah thompson, leah thompson sorry and <laughs> uh michael j fox <laughs> um but yeah i just don't think like it it yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of rating it in comparison to the other two, but overall, like still a good, fun sci fi comedy, but just not one I love, I will say. Yeah, I you know what? Something you said that really sticks out to me is it's not a solo watch, but if I'm doing a movie marathon of all three, I'm going to toss it on. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. It, it's also like perfect for a movie marathon because the third one is when people are really going to want to start talking and like mm. not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And this movie's perfect for that. That's when you know a movie is great is when you can start to talk over it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like this one specifically is like the other two are pretty joke heavy, even though they're action packed. This one seems like it has the fewest jokes in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if it's because like Obviously, a Wild West set is very expensive to shoot. I mean, they blow up an actual train. Uh, that's not CGI. The last shot where the train goes off, that, mm. that's a, that train is going into a ravine. Um, and I wonder if it was just like we feel that we're spending so much movie that we have some kind of an obligation to honor like the sets and the Western genre. So, it I mean, there are obviously some jokes, some very good jokes, but it feels a less like... It feels less funny. And I think that the second one has the most jokes in it because they already had these sets and they're like, we don't need to really honor a lot of the stuff. We can have fun in it. And the other thing is like the fact that Crispin Glover isn't in it and that Michael J. Fox is playing his own grandfather. I wonder if like Crispin, Blother, Gr Gr Crispin Glover playing Seamus McFly would have been more impactful. Like, oh, you need to like write your own destiny. Like if he's having this conversation with his father as opposed to himself, it would have seemed less goofy and more serious. Yeah. And we would have gone back to that Biff George rivalry. Yeah. Um, that we get in that first one. Not much in the second one, but still, you know, um, I guess it is in the second one because Biff kills him that we kind of still get that mm -hmm. vibe. Um, yeah. What do we think? Do we need this movie? Or Ryan, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just to say, just to kind of put a button on this section of it, now that listening, listening to what Patrick was just saying, I think another thing with this one is it's just not as fun as the first two. Like, you don't see as much of the DeLorean. And like in the second one, you have like flying cars and Jaws 3D and like all this other stuff. And then in the first one, you have, you know, he like claims to be Darth Vader, like the hazmat mm -hmm. suit. And so there's just like cool, fun stuff like that. I think the stakes in this one are a little bit higher than some of the others, like you have, you know, Doc and Clara. You also have Doc who is going to die. Um, and, you know, the other ones, it's like, oh, I want to keep my kid out of jail. And so the stakes aren't as high as much as they are high. I think in the first one, they're a little bit higher than two, maybe. But, yeah, I just don't think there's like as many fun elements to this one either, necessarily. It, it's definitely more serious, which would make sense on paper because they're in the West in the 1800s. There's no modern mm. convenience. They're like, oh, we could die at any moment. And it, yeah, it feels, it feels more serious. It like yeah. the whole movie is questioning, like from like a screenwriting perspective, like, should we time travel? It feels like it's mm. ruined everything. Should time, like, it's almost like Doc is being like, we shouldn't have ever done this. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually going to segue perfectly to a, do we need this movie? Because yeah. I am, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think we do. I think we need this movie. Perhaps there could have been a better iteration of it, but I think especially with how time travel goes haywire in the second movie. This is the idea that we don't need a time travel. We can't. It will cause more problems. Um, 
I almost wanted to see that taken further, but I think that's why we need this third movie. It is the um the consequence of the first two films in a way, you know, in a in a good way. But that's that's my thought on yeah, I think we need the movie. I, I agree. I think we need this one. You know, the first two are are huge successes. They're they're very loved. I think they're like very commercially successful, like critically did pretty well. You know, I, I think people wanted more out of like Marty and Doc Brown. And I think like going that far in the past was a good natural progression because like we'd already gone to the past 30 years and went into the future 30 years. And like they they took some pretty big swings with the future, you know, with like flying cars and everything else. So like to go further into the future would have like felt probably pretty campy. Um, and so I think to go back that far is like a good take on a third installment of this franchise. So, yeah, it ties in California very well, too, because they really keep like obviously you think time travel. It's like, oh, they could have gone back to the Middle Ages or, you know, been knights and dragons and stuff. But like. They really do keep it about this family. Like they're the first Irish immigrants to come to this part of California. And it just stays in like Hill Valley in the past, present and future. So I, I, that was an interesting like decision that they stuck hard on. And there are things that I really like about this movie. They had a really good time playing with the other movies as a Western. Like even the theme, uh, if you when he first gets to the West, it's the regular Back to the Future theme with played on harmonica. And there's a lot of fun Easter eggs, like the guy who sells the carriages is the guy that's the Toyota dealership, is the guy that's the mm. Studebaker dealership. It's like the same names. Um, I think we need this movie. They had a really good time with it. And like, it's still fun to watch. Yeah. I want to talk about this briefly before we continue on with the, the structure, because uh, Patrick and I were talking about this a little bit off mic, just like some of the the jokes that they kind of bring forth through through some of the movies, like in the second one, like you keep saying, oh, man, that's heavy in docs. Like, is there something wrong with gravity? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this one, when uh, when he realizes the pie tin says Frisbee pie, he's like, oh, far out. And then they his his uh, like older relatives are confused. And she was like, he was right by it. <laughs> so, like, they, you know, yeah, they have some fun with that still. And I, I really like those jokes throughout the entire franchise. Just the playing with the 80s like uh, <clears throat> lingo. And he's, he tells uh, Buford to lighten up. And it's a very subtle. He just looks at his 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 compadres and they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, mighty strong words. Run. Oh, um, let's talk about whether or not this this third installment helped or hurt the franchise. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know. I, I would almost say neutral, but I, I'm going to lean towards hurt only because. It is it's what stops like when a lot of people are like, what's your favorite tril- trilogy? I know that for some of our friends, this comes to mind. I don't think of this as a trilogy that often. I think of it obviously as like a series of films and stuff, but I really only watch the first and second one. So I think that this movie is what kind of keeps it out of that conversation as like that franchise, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would say overall, I think it definitely like hurts the franchise. I don't think overall this movie is nearly as beloved as the other. And I think it's like and again, it's always compared like to one and two. So when you look at it through that lens, like 
yeah, people don't love it even as much as like it's still an OK movie. It's it's kind of treated like a joke almost compared to the other two. It's it's like, oh, Back to the Future 3. And people sort of roll their eyes almost. Well, even in the when you watch the movie, it feels a little cartoonier, like Doc, yeah. like falling on the piano in the beginning. Be like, dong, 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 and him having the mic, the magnifying glass in front of his mouth instead <laughs> of his eyes when he's reading. It feels very like. Almost like a movie that I know both of you love. Gremlins 2 oh, went from being so horror good. to like a Warner Brothers cartoon over like the I feel like that one did that. It, this one did that as well. It's very cartoony. And like to what you said, Cody, the first two feel like their own piece. So this doesn't really feel like a trilogy, which is funny because they shot two and three back to back. But like, yeah, I would say that back even though Back to the Future is a trilogy, it does feel like. Back to the Future one and two, and then also here's a third one for fun. So I would say, I would lean toward it hurt the franchise, but like I, I would say neutral because you know I still like these movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why do we have to cut these things so damn close? Uh, I mean, I think we're I think we know the answer to this, but yeah, where does it fall in the franchise? You know, I think I'm gonna rank them as uh, my mind hasn't changed too much. Number one is one, number two is two, and number three is three. Actually. Something we talked about on number two uh, podcast. Um, if you're listening to this one, you haven't listened to that one. What are you doing? Um, it uh, <laughs> is we even talked about. I think we like two more as kids because it's a bit more cartoony. It's got flying cars and it's like you're right, Patrick. It's like that trend continues for the third one in like visual gags <laughs> that like they thought would hit with kids more. And I was like. All this lovely devil stuff is boring. There's no flying cars. And because of that, if you actually look, I'm pretty sure if you look at like Rotten Tomatoes, three is ranked higher than two because if they like critics gave it a better score because it's more of a traditional movie, like beginning, middle, end, love story, A story, B story. Whereas two is just like, hey, remember that first movie? We're going to have fun. And that's I think that's why we feel so strongly and nostalgic about two because we watch yeah. it as kids. And it really is a kid's movie. It's like, even though there's a lot of heavy subject matter, the first one is more of a, like, also, it's a little bit darker, weird, even though, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of darkness into this one feels like they went the wrong direction with that. It was a little more like this is a family movie as opposed to like, it's a good movie, you know? Yeah. So what's your what's your ranking of the. A steady one, two, three <laughs> with no deviation, although I do. I mean, I think the first one is like the perfect movie. I, I really do. It's a perfect movie. But I think two is one of the best sequels of all time. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to say if this is your favorite Back to the Future movie, for the love of God, email me and tell me why, because <laughs> I just need to hear why Back to the Future three is your favorite Back to the Future movie. Uh, also, if it's your favorite movie ever, uh, write me a handwritten letter like I'm Santa Claus and I'll give you a gift for writing me a letter and explaining to me in detail why Back to the Future 3 is your favorite movie ever. I'm so excited for all the letters you're about to get from people who just want a gift and are lying about this being their favorite yeah. movie. I'm not I'm not going to give you my address, but if you can figure it out or if you're my friend and want to hand deliver this to me. I'll give you Ryan's address. Find me on social media. Happy to send it along. <laughs> Yeah, don't give him your handle, but just find Patrick on social media. Yeah, well, it's a double quest. It's like a side quest. You got to find my handle and then you can find Ryan's address. Yeah, I assume if you if this is your favorite movie ever, you have that much free time, too. But anyways, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to study the course and say one, two, three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I think one is like 
just a great film. The the screenplay is like nearly perfect. You introduce these characters. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's it's so quotable to again, you know, a little bit more of an adventure, a lot of a lot more screen time for Doc Brown, you know, a little more cartoonish. And then, yeah, you have this one, which we've already talked about in detail. He's an asshole. I don't care what Tannen says. And I don't care what anybody else says either. Yeah, I mean, that moves us into our overall franchise review, which this is the first time we've we've done that. But I think that it is you've kind of gotten our vibes from what we've just been talking about. But yeah, I mean, back to the future. Wowie, Zowie, what a franchise. It's uh, there's a reason we chose this one to kick off the pod. Um, it's just so fun. It was super fun to rewatch them all. Um, and, and like I said in the first episode, I probably only watched them every five years for the first and second one um probably 15 years for the third one so getting to watch them all this last month or so has has been so fun and you know just like my face lit up like a little kid on christmas like when certain jokes hit again that i was like yes yes i remember this at any time doc brown says great scott i just it's like a sense memory of like just pure joy for me great scott yeah, I mean, this this is one of my favorite franchises ever. And, you know, I, I think I really do think it is one of the best movie franchises ever. You know, uh, pretty visionary directing for a lot of the time, you know, when this movie came out, you know, some some truly iconic characters and like just really solidified some pretty great actors in like Hollywood lore, like Michael J. Fox and um, Christopher Lloyd and, and some other folks. Um, yeah, I, I think these movies also like hold up pretty well for the most part. Um, you know, the jokes are aren't at anyone else's expense. Um, you know, the the concept of time travel is always like fun to visit in films. And I think this one used that as a really good vehicle to drive the plots along from movie to movie. And yeah, you know, I mean, we've we've talked about it all extensively. And yeah, these movies are just like good, fun movies to watch. They're like they're they're good popcorn movies too. Like not only is like the acting and the screenwriting and everything good. Yeah, overall it's just these movies kick ass. They're so good. I mean, I could talk about this franchise for a day. I could write entire books on how good this franchise is and how much it means to me. I I the first one, if I can go back and talk about it for a second. I I mean, I, I I'm a writer. WGA Strong. We're on strike right now, everybody. Uh, is what I say one of the best scripts and the way to start a movie with a lot of information. The And it's part of the directing and brilliance of Zemeckis is that the first one starts, obviously, Marty's asleep right before he's late for school. He pans through all the information with newspaper clips and things like that that you will need to get this movie going. There's no backstory. It's just we start in the middle. This old man scientist and this kid have this relationship. We accept it. We move on. They're so... And, you know... Two builds on that and three builds on two. And they're just it's it's uh, even though three is not my favorite. It's an incredible franchise. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because even I I was thinking about this uh, when I was rewatching one, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly what the TV says, but it says something like it's a bright, sunny day uh, in Hill Valley. And uh, like they talk about a car, they're like the new 90, 85 Toyota this year. And you instantly get all that exposition information in a television commercial before they then cut to like the plutonium being stolen and you see the skateboard hit it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's good. 
I want to talk about uh, Robert Zemeckis just for a second, because we've we've mentioned him a lot and talked about how great of a director he is. So I just want to talk about a few other movies that I really love that he's done. Uh, I mean, he did Forrest Gump, which I'm sure everyone has probably seen. Um, Robert Zemeckis directed Forrest Gump? Robert Zemeckis directed Forrest Gump. I did not know that. Not, Not one of his more like... I guess like visually appealing films or one that's kind of like driving the needle as much as like a back to the future. Uh, but he also did who framed Roger rabbit and, uh, another movie I really love, uh, death becomes her with, Oh, I uh, love death becomes her. A young, a young Bruce Willis, uh, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. It's a really fun, uh, like kind of horror ish comedy. It's, It's like, it's like a Beetlejuice horror comedy. Like it's not actually scary, but there's like those elements of it. So just want to kind of talk about uh, Robert Zemeckis a little bit. Yeah, since you want to he... talk about the Polar Express, your favorite Christmas movie directed <laughs> by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. You thought wrong, dude. I don't know why that always comes to mind for me when I think Robert Zemeckis. I looked it up to make sure I wasn't wrong. But uh, in his credits, it goes Castaway, the Polar Express. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Big, big uh, collaborator with Tom Hanks. I'm starting to realize. And Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. I know this is heavy. Um, awesome. Well, I think before we wrap up, we just have one final game here. Uh, so I'm going to kick over to Patrick. Uh, we did this on the first episode, but Patrick, I would love to hear if this movie were being made today, who would you cast as uh, some of the main characters here? All right. Um, let me start this off. And with, why? With uh, we're bridge the gap between Zemeckis and this. I, I, I read a while ago that Zemeckis said in an interview that they would remake Back to the Future over his dead body because he has the exclusive rights to it and he never wants to remake it. I stand by that. These movies should not be remade. They are perfect and like it would be a money grab. However. Yeah, yeah. Give us your real cast, though, if you have to. (laughs) (laughs) If Robert Zemeckis on his deathbed was like, Patrick, you you're the one you got to be the one to make it. I know you'll do a good job. And I'm writing this movie and finding a reason to make it new and recast it today. I think, first of all, my, the first person that jumps to mind, Doc Brown, I think Tracy Morgan. I think that he Hell would be yeah. so funny. And like, I can just see him delivering lines that are not like, you know, his Christopher Lloyd's great, Scr- great Scott, like, ooh, craziness, but find his own way to make this insane character funny and unique. And like, I can just see him telling Marty not to get his mom pregnant. That just feels like something that Tracy Morgan would say. Uh, So that's my hard answer for that one. Um, Love it. I love that one. Thank you. Thank you. For Marty, I think that obviously, like, I feel the safe answer is... Tom Holland. A lot of people would say Tom Holland. Hey, I did baby in episode one. He like, I think that he even said like, oh, I base my personality around Marty McFly. And I feel like as someone who kind of also did that as a kid, I get it. Like he's a safe choice. If I'm remaking this movie, I need it to be different, not safe. And I think that like what Marty has is he's a loser which is strange because he's a rock. He's like an incredible guitarist and he's cool and he skateboards, but we are told he's a loser and we accept it. Um, but he's also like quick and cool and a smart ass. And we see that through his dialogue and his actions. And he has a clear tragic flaw is that he doesn't like being told that he's like a coward and someone who recently has in a TV show that I think would be a really cool. Marty McFly, Bella Ramsey, 
from The Last of Us, I think mm. could bring the humor. I think could bring the uh, the that tragic flaw of like, don't I'm not a coward. I can do this. And also like portray someone who is cool and a loser and is at the right age, too, because like, let's face it. Tom Holland's getting a little old to play Marty McFly. And I also thought of like Jeremy Allen White could be fun, but also getting mm. kind of old. But so, you know, I think Bella Ramsey as you know, maybe a Martian McFly or something like that. I think that's a cool cast. Uh, what other characters are we, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing Biff and uh, Marty's parent. Ooh, Biff. Um, I'm going to say Adam Driver would be a fun Biff. Someone who could be like both aggressive and intense, but funny uh, yeah, I think yeah, I'm going to go Adam Driver for this one. Um, and then George. See, OK, if I'm recasting it now, keep in mind, we're not going to go back to 1985. We're going to go to or to 1955. The parents are going to be in 1995. So like someone who could play like what was a loser in 1995? Someone who's listening to like Nirvana and is like grungy and like that would be George. George wouldn't be this guy wearing like khakis. He would be like someone in flannel, a loser. <laughs> Ryan holds up his flannel. <laughs> I just mean like, you know, from like the Jason Biggs loser. I was just thinking. Oh. Yeah, he has like a National Parks hat um, wearing Crocs, you know, just a loser. These are all things Ryan are wearing right now. Um, and so like <laughs> this is the I, last episode, Patrick, and Cody will be featured on. <laughs> he, I, you know, like people who are George McFly, like that comes to mind, like a Bill Hader. But again, he feels old. Um I think maybe Pete Davidson, and that's going to be a weird one, but I think that he could bring something new to the character that's we see in a little bit of Crispin Glover, but is also like weird and goofy. I have a follow up question to that. Yeah. Does that mean that the franchise now takes place in Staten Island? Yeah. 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 It, it could be like it could be like Beach Park instead of Hill Valley. Just two things that are not the same. <laughs> nice. Uh, Continue. And then we got we got Lorraine, Lorraine. Baines McFly. Um, oh, the actor who is on White Lotus season two, who plays the like the oh, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Is who you no, it's not who I mean. I know, I'm um, uh, the uh, Haley Lou Richardson, who plays uh, Jennifer Coolidge's assistant in mm -hmm. White Lotus season two, just kind of gives me um, Leah Thompson vibes. And that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Don't and you then, mean Emma Thompson? <laughs> Emma Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I'm last, also thinking like age appropriate. Someone yeah. who could be a, who could play a young now in 1995. Yeah. Last but not least, give us your Biff. Oh, did you already do that? I, I did. Would you like me to give it again? Yeah, give me give us your bit again. I I'm going to go Adam Driver for the That's same reasons right. I said last time. I think I was. Uh, so we saw me and Ryan saw Guardians 3 yesterday. And as soon as we talked about Biff, I thought, man, I liked Will P Poulter in that so much as a dumb bad guy that it go that it made me go. Yeah, I, I stand by my Biff casting of him. Oh, fun. That's a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for. If or when we do Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to do that all my life. Patrick, thanks so much. Uh, where can folks find you if they want to uh, send you a message to get my address? You can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. It's at the P Web. You can find me right now picketing. As I mentioned earlier, the WGA is on strike, so uh, we're picketing for a, a better contract. You can find me playing with these two folks uh, at our improv team, The Bar, uh, whenever we're playing. We'll post that out there. We, uh, I love playing with you guys. We've been improvising for 
I don't know, six, seven years together now? Yeah, yeah. something like that. It's been a while. I don't regret um, a single day. Web, web with two Bs, which I'm sure we will have in the description, but just mentioning it here. In case the second you. B is silent, but deadly. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Patrick, as Ryan said. Uh, stay tuned for our next franchise where we're taking a bit of a gamble. That's my hint. <laughs> you don't want to drop what it's going to be? You can drop what it's going to be. Oceans. 11. All right. Thanks so much for listening, uh, guys. Casino. Yeah, we're doing some heist. heist I thought you were doing next. Now Me, See Me, Now You See Me 1 and 2, and then just we're going to give up. That's it. <laughs> Those two. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great one. Thanks for having me.